welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. My name is Huai Chen Bui. I'm a writer for Slash Film and a pop culture journalist in New York. I'm joined by my two co-hosts. I am Anya Crittenden, a writer and editor in Los Angeles. And I am Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area. All right, guys. So this week, we're sort of, we've pushed back our movie review because we're doing the movie Onward, which came out in theaters in March, even though it's April. Um, but if you guys are following the news or living and breathing, movies are closed. Um, everything is closed. And Disney had decided to uh, do something pretty nice and put Onward on Disney+. Plus. Um, it's been on uh, streaming services to rent or buy for a couple of weeks, but this is the first weekend that it is on the actual ser- streaming service. Um, that debuted in November. Um, they did they did something similar with Frozen a couple of weeks ago. They put it out three months early that it should have been on Disney Plus. So it looks like Disney is sort of um, taking the L with the box office uh, because there is no box office right now. And they just said, yeah, we'll put it up on on Disney Plus, which is really cool. Um, so the movie, yeah, is Onward. It's directed by Dan Scanlon. It is also written by Dan Scanlon, Jason Headley, and Keith B- Bunin. Um, and it stars Tom Holland, Chris Pratt, uh, I believe also Tina Fey. Hold on, I'm pulling it up. T- oh, oh, sorry. J- Julia, Julia Louis-Dreyfus as the mom, Octavia Spencer as the manticore, um, and then a host of other characters throughout uh, the rest of the movie. Um, and Onward is about two teenage elf brothers, Ian and Barley, embark on a magical quest to spend one more day with their late father. Um, and that's sort of like the gist of it. But if they go on a magical adventure, um, there is obstacles and their mom is trying to um, uh, keep them away from danger. Uh, and yeah, so that's the movie we're discussing. We're going to talk about our, our reactions to the film and also dive into a more spoiler spoilery uh uh, talk, discussion of the film with uh, talking about their characters, the theme, and the plot of the movie. Uh, so, HT, why don't we start with you? What are your thoughts on the movie Onward from Pixar? I liked it. Um, I was a little bit, uh, I won't say wary, but hesitant about this movie because upon seeing the trailers and seeing sort of the animation character design of this movie, I wasn't really impressed. I It felt a little bit like a DreamWorks film to me as opposed to a Pixar film, and with especially with its, its emphasis on comedy and humor. But uh, I found myself, you know, quite emotional towards the end of this film. And I really liked the rich world um, that they introduced in the movie as well. It's a world in which... Um, you know, the mythological fairy tale creatures live in sort of modern suburbia after technology has um, superseded magic, and magic is kind of a thing of the past. And these two brothers discover that um, their father not only tinkered in magic, but had created a magic spell that would allow them to see him for one day after, like, after he had died, like, a long time ago. And um, I really enjoyed. Uh, both the world building aspects and um, the more emotional aspects kind of separately. Uh, I I feel like, uh, I don't know, if I wouldn't say that like it takes away from it, but I kind of wish I had both of more, but in like different movies, if you know what I mean. I kind of like, like, I really liked the world building movie, but world building and like the fantasy aspects of it and kind of like the the really comedic uh, anachronisms of it, of it all, but 
I felt like it almost was a different movie than the simple uh, quest, the simple story of two brothers who were on a quest to um, reconnect in a way with their father. And um, I liked both aspects. I won't say that like they, yeah, they con like contradicted each other per se, but uh, I guess kind of wished uh, there's more of both. And so I, I liked, but I liked it overall, and I I quite enjoyed. I really really liked the the sibling relationship between Tom Holland and Chris Pratt's characters. Um, I can't say that I still really enjoyed the character designs. I still found them a little bit on the you know, cart not um, cartoony cartoony Animated? side. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, but I I still really enjoyed it, and I I will say like um it exceeded my expectations. So I liked Onward. Um, Anya, what about you? What were your thoughts on Onward? So I was actually the opposite of HT. Um, I've been really looking forward to this film. Um, and even when the mixed reviews started coming out, I, I steeled myself to have hope, um, and think that I would like it more than some of the critics. And I did. Um, so I've been really excited for this movie for years now because I was at D23 when Dan Scanlon first announced this film. Um, and he at that very first panel, the very first time it was ever like mentioned in public, Dan Scanlon was there and he told the story of him and his brother and how their father died when he was very young and how growing up he only had this tape recorder that had his dad's voice on it. So that part of the film is true and based on Dan's own real life. And hearing him talk about it and hearing him talk about his relationship with his brother and how he's, you know, grappled with not having a father all his life, um, you know, it was very touching and made me so excited for the film. And then the fact that it was going to be a fantasy film, my favorite genre, like made me so much more excited. Um, and so I've been really excited for this film. And while like, while I don't think it's like in the upper tiers of like an Inside Out or a Coco or a Toy Story 3, I think it's very much like the upper end of like the middle tier if we were to put Pixar in three tiers mm -hmm. for me right. at least Pixar um, has, has like 25 movies now so like they're all I don't want to say right. they all can't be winners but like yeah I think Onward is firmly in the middle tier yeah. but I think I would put it yeah. at the top of the middle tier yeah um just because it hit so many it hit so many right things for me um I agree with HT about the animation and the design and sort of like the two sort of movies that were happening um but I'm willing to forgive those a little more, I think, because I just found myself so charmed by the movie. Um, I loved seeing the magic and, like, elves and manticores and all these different, like, creatures. Because, again, fantasy is my favorite genre. Like, I'm a, if you put magic and wizards and elves in something, like, I'm a sucker for it. Um, and I felt the same way about this, especially with the character of Barley, who, like, loves it so much. And I found that very infectious. Um which we'll talk about because Barley really surprised me. Um, but yeah, I really Pratt. loved it. I know. Oh God. Well, it's because he's basically playing Andy Dwyer in this film and that's yeah. why I love him so much. We're going to get Chris, into the Chris Pratt of it all. We will, we will get into it. Hold on, hold on. We'll, we'll get, get into it. it. Yeah. But I really loved this film. I thought the storyline between the brothers and the relationship with their dad was told very beautifully. Mm -hmm. um, we'll also talk about this, but like the use of touch in this film um, especially with like the feet and the tapping mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. that made me choke up so much like just that little that little detail oh that was that was a lot um 
And I know some people are going to feel much more connected to this film than I do because I'm an only child. Um, I fortunately have both my parents, although I am very close to my dad. I'm a daddy's girl. So I recognize that in this film. Um, but I still found myself really touched by the story. Yeah. So I really loved Onward. All right, Willoughby, what did you, what were your thoughts on Onward? I loved this movie. This movie was working on all cylinders for me. And like, I was picking up exactly what they were putting down. And I was like 100% on the same exact wavelength with this movie. Uh, since the trailers, I've been sort of ex- like Anya, like really excited for this movie. Um, and I really love the idea of fantasy, but modern day and magic and like all the stuff that they were like selling in this movie. I was buying it all. I was just like, give me it all. Um, and yeah, the brother relation, the brother's relationship. I, I don't, I have a, a, an older sister. I don't have an older, I don't have any brothers. Um, but like I, I, the sibling relationship was very like, uh, you know, re- uh, relatable in a way. And like the, like having like, uh, I re- I really like the 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 whole story with Dan Scanlon talking about like how this meant you know what this was like based on basically like based on a true story in a way, um, and I think that this movie yeah it just worked for me I loved the like I, like I I don't really take issue with the character design like I really en- enjoyed it I thought it was it was it was fun and stylized in a in a fun way it didn't seem over- overbearing um. Pixar is getting really good with lighting um, in animated movies, and I think they did a really good job with that. Um, and yeah, like I just think the animation was really quality. It reminded me, in some ways, uh, in some areas of like Breath of the Wild from Legend of Zelda, um, and other ways it was like it looked like Arizona as well. Um, it was really sort of a weird. I love the clash of uh, the of modern day and also fantasy. That sort of thing, like. I can eat that all up, even though I will uh, stay away from Netflix's bright with a 10 foot pole because <laughs> uh, fuck that movie. Um, and uh, yeah, so, but like the, otherwise, like when I found out this movie was being was being made, I was like, oh, cool. I can have like a fun modern fantasy movie to to latch on to instead of like having to be like, oh, probably probably if it was any other writer, I would enjoy bright or whatever. But I can't because uh, what's his face is terrible. Um max lantis uh <laughs> so yeah no so so i've i'm i was really excited for this movie and i watched it on friday and i just sort of like it just i cried when i was supposed to cry i was emotional when i was supposed to be and i laughed when i think i was supposed to laugh i think it was a i think it it it, it worked for me so well and i i'm so glad it's on disney plus and that i can rewatch it as many times as i want to because i feel like it like Afterwards, I like turned to my girlfriend. I was like, I think this is my new favorite movie, at least of 2020. Like, I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. Um, and like, I could see myself as Tom Holland, but also as Chris Pratt, like, like the the two character types. Uh, and I so I think they did a really good job of like characterizing the, these people. And I loved Julia Louis Dreyfus as the mom and the Manticore. I the that that friendship was also really fun and I unexpected. Like, I did not think that. Um, I thought it was going to be mostly Ian and Barley, the characters' names. Like, I but like I like that the mom and the Manticore had sort of like a side mission to bring back uh, Ian and Barley from this dangerous quest, and they they themselves sort of went on a journey. Uh, um, and also the stepdad, uh, Officer Bronco, is just so funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think 
the the movie really worked for me. I really enjoyed it. I will say, as I was watching it, uh, everything about that movie just screamed Willoughby to me. I was like, oh, I know Willoughby yep. just loves this movie because it's just. It's I have a, a letterbox. I was going to say, I have a letterbox that's called Movies Made for Willoughby, and this is going to go right up to number one. Yeah, because it's a movie that's just so full of joy and so earnest and so just excited about things. And, like, again, it's, like, it's just, uh, it feels so pure in its emotions, whether it's in, like, the excitement for uh, this fantasy adventure quest or in the, the... uh, sincere connections between Ian and Barley and their, you know, their father too, and like that wanting that to have that connection to make that reconnection. So I really felt that I really liked the emotions in this film for me. Like they were really, they really rang true for me too. Right, because you know, like on a larger whole, there's sort of this rediscovering of magic mm-hmm. throughout the characters that 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 um appear in this movie because like like you were saying like the like magic has sort of died out or like you know not believed in anymore Mm -hmm. um so like characters who have wings don't actually fly and then things change and like characters discover things about themselves they didn't know about and but also like the rediscovering of familial connections is in the same way Uh, i think is really it was really smart and really uh impactful and uh yeah i cried at the end of this movie um for so, sure for sure do we want i think any, any other spoiler free thoughts on you no i was gonna say i think we should move into our spoilery section because we're starting to touch on the story and i just really want to talk about that so as per usual our move our reviews are split up between uh story theme and character um and there will be spoilers and i think we started talking about the story and so i think that's where i want to start because you guys have touched on this a little bit but like as simple as the story is and maybe it doesn't always like work or it's not always as like profound or as complex as what we always want from Pixar I think for me I am willing to forgive a simple plot or a story that doesn't feel you know you know really profound or like one for the ages only because the story element of the brothers and their relationship and their relationship with their father um, and how that has affected them throughout their lives, that for me rang so pure. Um, mostly because Agreed. this, mostly because right, this is Dan Scanlon's real life, mm-hmm. um, and that's why. But for me, it really worked. Like yeah. you felt Dan Scanlon's heart on this entire film. And for me, I will take a, you know, sort of paint by numbers fantasy plot, like any day if I get an emotional core like this because yeah. for me it was so powerful and i think that something like that is played played with with the movie because you have ian who says oh we should just take the expressway to the mountains and you have barley who's going oh we have to take this path of peril and like you know like go on the actual adventure that he wants to go on whereas and so like they're basically talking about like the two different two, two different ways this story can go it can either go the straight and narrow like expressway or you can go on an, an emotional depth and this movie sort of does a little bit of both um i i will agree with anya where i think that just because the plot is sort of i wouldn't say predictable but it was very like you understood you understood the rules of the of the plot and where it was probably going to go you know it's a quest it's about brothers they're rediscovering things they're trying to find a magic stone there's a macguffin like a lot of this is things that we've seen before but the emotions that the the script have the characters have like i think everything played into the plot to sort of uh make the movie greater than the sum of its parts yeah 
I will say, I think that the this movie's strength um, and its power is in the simplicity of its plot and just like the central um, story of the brothers and they, you know, their their journey with each other and in realizing each other's um, importance to their their each other's lives. Um, in addition to like them trying to reconnect with their dad, like I was so um, taken by that. Um, really personal journey and it felt to me like even though I didn't know about Dan Scanlon's own personal story in this it felt to me like this was definitely the work of someone who was working through their own personal journey and I was really affected and moved by that Um, and I but I will say that like I I feel like that part was more powerful than like the sort of more tertiary uh, fantasy elements like I didn't really need the whole story element of this fantasy world sort of reconnecting with its magic um, of yore because I felt like that was almost tacked on in the end where they're like, oh yeah, the sprites, you know, suddenly learn how to fly because like they're also reconnecting with their past. And I was like, okay, like that's fine. And I like, I think that's like nice that like they all have a happy ending and stuff, but it felt to me like almost secondary to the story of the brothers. Oh, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that's the important part of the yeah. movie, but I, I mean, do I, like yeah. it's sort of like a, it's almost like a side effect of, of their journey yeah. is that because Barley is invest has, because Barley and eventually Ian believe in magic so hard and, you know, realize that Ian does have magic within him, mm-hmm. it, it that sort of like belief sort, sort of uh, spreads to other people throughout the movie. And I really, it's, you know, it's, it's obviously not the main plot of the movie or the main theme, but it's sort of like a fun secondary thing to sort of see as the, as the movie ventures. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe with my, my, it's just like my own personal thing where I'm like, I don't need this to change the world. I just need it to change their worlds. Like I don't, I, I, I like that it has ripples for the rest of the, the world and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But I feel like it's in making the movie and making their plot, like this big world altering thing, um, just feels like a little I, it's like I don't really need it and like I'm like it's fine that it happens but I like that like I just really like the central story I feel like it doesn't need to be the main thing that changes the world I feel like it just can be like uh, just like a small adventure that happens within like the greater realm of greater scheme of this world and doesn't need to change anything except for what happens between these two brothers and their family but like that's like a very 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 minor complaint like I don't even dislike right. the part about like them changing the rest of the world it's just for me I was just like I don't really need that but uh, it, I'm glad that it worked for other people right like i don't think it was i don't think that i I think that the that doesn't take away from like the central uh uh journey that the brothers go on and Mm -hmm. i definitely think that it's more of like you know it's a part of the movie but it's not the part of the movie it's Mm -hmm. not the the number one thing that the movie was trying to convey i think it was definitely trying to convey this the 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 brothers relationship and communicating that they are rediscovering themselves and sort of the magic coming back to the world is sort of just sec- is definitely secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Willby, do you have anything else you want to say about the plot and the story of this movie before we move on to, uh, do you want to go characters next? Yeah, let's go characters um, next. I want to talk about plot just for one more, one more second. Okay. Um, I like that it went back to the high school. I like that it was sort of like the, the, the journey itself, like it became a roundabout way of, going back to high school but like it's sort of like i like that that was sort of like the point was like the 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 like the journey is the destination or whatever like i like that that was sort of manifested physically and on screen where like yeah it was never really about going to the mountains and all that it was all it was about discovering 
Barley and Ian's like they were rediscovering a relationship that they that they had once previously had as kid as small kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I really like that. Oh, let's let's talk about Ian Barley. Let's talk about the characters. Um, I know Anya has a few things to say about. Uh, uh, I want to talk about Barley, Barley. so much. I want to talk about Barley. <laughs> okay. let's, let's talk about let's talk about Barley. Hold on, onward. hold on, hold on. So before we get <laughs> yeah. to the Chris Pratt of it all. For yeah. some reason, I had it in my head that Barley was going to be a good guy, but was going to be a bit more, like, tough and maybe a little bit meaner than he yeah. was. Like, mm-hmm. I just figured the older brother, like, I figured part of this journey would be the brothers, like, having to get along. And while the, the journey brought them closer together and stuff, and, like, they did have their disagreements, I was not expecting that Barley was going to be such a good guy from the get-go and that he was going to be so encouraging of Ian and, like, the most wonderful older brother ever. Um, I thought some of the conflict was going to come from them having differing personalities, which they do, but not in it's a not negative like, way Yeah, right. that it's I expected. Like, it's, not like, it's not like Barley is an asshole. He's yeah. not. Right, and I don't know why I thought that, but I just did. Maybe it's the way he, like, dressed and, like, yeah, his character design in the trailers. Like a bro, and he's, like... Like a punk. Yeah. He kind of looks like any Dan Fogel character from 2008. <laughs> yeah, basically. But, like, Barley is wonderful, and he's basically, like, a D&D player, and he really loves the history of their town and their world and magic, and... I, I mean, A, I find it relatable because, again, I love fantasy. I love, like, myth and, you know, mysticism and history. So, like, I was also like, wow, relatable. Um, but he's such a good guy. And, like, when he can't do the spell at the beginning of the film, but Ian can, he's not upset that he can't do it. He's so excited that his little brother has magic. And that's all he cares about. Like, he's not, like, you would think someone like him who's so into magic and, like, their history would be jealous, but he's not. He's really excited and he wants to help Ian. And so I just think Barley is wonderful and I loved him and I was not expecting that and I became very attached to him and he and his dad doing their little like shoe tapping thing made me cry a lot. Um, And yeah, it's um, again, because Chris Pratt is basically playing Andy Dwyer in this film, I can, you know, turn off my brain for a little bit and pretend it's not Chris Pratt playing him because current Chris Pratt, real life Chris Pratt, is not someone I am very fond of. But if I can just pretend he's always Andy Dwyer in form, I, think I can like can, him more. I think what we can distinguish is voice actor Chris Pratt versus yes. live action actor Chris Pratt. Yeah. Versus Andy Dwyer. So Chris great Pratt. in the Lego movies. And uh, yeah. He's, yeah. he's so charming and so funny. And uh, it's like once you take away the camera from him, all that vanity goes out the window and he's just Andy it's- Dwyer again. Right, right. What, yes, that's such a good way to put it. He's best at playing, and this is not a knock on any characters that he plays, but he, well, it is sort of a knock on like his like Jurassic World characters, but like he's really good at playing a low status character in which he's not full of himself. I like an underdog. You have a character like, yeah, he's so good at playing someone who is the unexpected like part of the film. Like you have Emmett from the Lego movie who is, you know, he's sort of a, you know, like the whole point of the Lego movie is that he's sort of like an everyman and he can be anyone and it turns out he can be the best of everybody. And you have Andy let's Dwyer who... Let's not talk about that one. Lego movie or... Yeah. Let's not talk about Lego oh. movie because... Do you have opinions no. about Lego movie that we weren't aware yeah. of? Yeah, yeah. Emmett sucks and Lego movie just reiterates that oh. terrible trope about how like thing. a woman who's a woman oh, who's qualified yeah. 
doesn't actually get to be the hero, and I'm tired of it. And that's why I also hate Kung Fu Panda. I mean, I will say that Lego Movie 2 sort of addresses that. Um, The the best part of Lego Movie is Will Ferrell. And that's that on that. Yeah. But otherwise, (laughs) I... And so, but then you have Andy Dwyer, who is sort of like a low-status character, but and like people don't really believe that he could be better than he is. In the beginning, he's sort of like, uh, like he's uh, lazy and sort of bumbling, and then like you can, the progression of his character very much uh, is a positive one. It goes, and people you know love him, and he's great, and he has April, and they're all they're very good together. And so with Barley, you sort of have a very similar character where he he's sort of misunderstood because he has a very his personality can be described as a lot, um, and he's very much uh, like aggressive about his beliefs in magic and history, and and he turns that sort of turns him into like a bit of like a weird hippie because he sort of he chains himself to historical places to make sure they're not they're not down they're not oh my god that element of barley was so emotional i was like look at him being like an activist and like a protester oh no wonder you love him so much anya he's like made for you (laughs) he's like political (laughs) and um but so you have barley and who who is so fervent and and uh 100 in his beliefs and that comes in conflict with other people and you know society at large and you have Officer Bronco, who's like, Barley, 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 what have you gotten yourself up to? And Barley's just, like, trying to do his best. Um, and then you have Ian, who is so drastically different, um, in, both in, like, shape and also personality. And, you know, obviously with cartoons, it's sort of like, you know, he's, he's like, a stick, and then Barley's sort of bigger. Um, and you sort of see that Tom Holland's character is sort of, is very timid and not sure of himself, and part of his character is to become more like that because he sees that in recordings of his dad. And, um, and also he meets another character who talks, talks about his dad. And so he starts on this journey of, of being more like his father. And that journey also ends up being more like Barley. Like he sort of like rediscovers things with Barley that he thought he would get with his dad for this one last day. And like that sort of relationship really uh, manifested really well. And yeah, Barley is a great, uh, yeah. Anya, do you have more to say about Barley? No, I just really love him, and he's really sweet, and I'm so glad, and I'm sure it's, again, I'm sure it's also based on Dan, Dan Scanlon's old, older brother, and, like, clearly they have a good relationship, and so, like, that also makes me really happy, and, you know, I think it's why Barley and Ian are drawn the way they are, and I say drawn as in, like, not the physical animation, but, like, how they're drawn right. as yeah, characters. Created as characters. <laughs> yes, yes, and how they're written. Um, but yeah, Barley's good, and I love him. Barley reminds me of the brother from Sing Street, um, but much oh, less yeah. cynical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like a supportive dude. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Jack Rayner's character. Sing. I thought you were thinking of, I thought you said Sing, like the other animated mm-hmm. movie. But yeah, Sing Street, he is totally Jack Rayner's character. Yeah. And um, I just love supportive bros, supportive bros being bros. And um, I especially, I really like the aspect of um, Ian realizing that his brother was the one who raised him all along. I I absolutely love that moment where he just kind of flashes through his life and goes through all of those uh, moments that he deemed essential father-son bonding moments and realized that he had them all with his brother. And it's such a beautiful moment that, again... 
um, reflects a new point of mo- emotional maturity, I think, from Pixar, where we're seeing uh, animators and like the directors and storytellers dealing with much more complex emotional uh, catharsis than we've seen in like past films. And I, I really, really liked that moment. It, it, again, it moved me to tears. I'm, I'm getting a little bit teary right now. It's such a beautiful moment. Oh, you know. <laughs> it's so good. It's- I, and then like them, like them working together to stop the high school rock dragon <laughs> and as well as like the mom and uh, the marriage accord helping out doing the same thing. And I just love that you know, this movie is sort of not about, uh, ex- like, getting all that you want. Like, it's sort of, it, it, it's about getting what you already have or what you need. So, like, he, like Tom Holland's character doesn't actually get to physically spend a, a t- time with his dad. But in realizing that, he is realizing Barley is, was, yeah, like, sort of like his dad growing up or a father figure. Um, or all the things that he thinks a father figure should be to him, and and so, but and you see like a beautiful moment in the distance between Barley and his father through the eyes of Ian, and it's sort of just like man, it's just so well done, and you're like choked up because like even though Ian's not actually physically present with his father, like that emotion, emotional connection is still there, and I think that the movie did a, a wonderful job delivering that. Mm-hmm. I, I agree completely. I think we just touched on all the themes of this movie too. <laughs> I mean, the t- the themes are tied with the characters so strongly character, that I, yeah. I think you can't you can't not talk about the themes when you talk about these characters mm-hmm. because, like we just said earlier, the plot is so simple that like the movie really much for. Re- really does rely on the themes mm-hmm. and the characters a lot more. So how did the world building and the world work for you guys? Like, did you, I know that you loved it, Willoughby, but... Um... Oh, I loved it. There were two <laughs> moons. <laughs> oh, were there? I don't think I noticed. Okay, there so like, yeah. It's t- did you not see the two I'm moons? Sorry, I'm sorry. The fantasy world because there's two moons. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it definitely worked for you then, Willoughby. Oh, no, I hated the movie. <laughs> Just kidding. I loved it. Yeah, sorry. No, I think the, the world building is really cool. I like that it was sort of like, you know, everything sort of still had that medieval type typeface on all the signs and everything. But then it was like Burger King. It was like Burger Shire. And I was like, that's really yeah. fun. That's really yeah. cute. There were a lot of like cute elements to the to the world building that was, you know, that sort of like blink and you miss it jokes that like on Pond re- Rewatch, you'll dive into it. Like they have these gorgeous like wide shots of like the highway with billboards and like street signs and like restaurants and a bunch of things that you can sort of like pick apart and see like you know how they sort of like took our real world and turned it into like real world fantasy where it's like what was you know what would windows look like as a computer as like a medieval computer company like it's sort of like this really interesting way to like change things up i really uh enjoyed it and yeah like all the scenery everything was so beautifully done um I just like that it was also like kind of like Melissa, my girlfriend, was like, "Yeah, that looks like Arizona." <laughs> it looks kind of like a cross between suburbia and a ren fair. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That, that's um, my shit. Yeah, and I agree, I agree with all you about the. I really loved. Um, one of my favorite moments was when they realized what Raven's point is, mm. and that it's not actually a place but it refers to something, these, like, statues of ravens that are pointing to things and that you have to follow them. Because, like, that to me just felt like such a fantasy, like, journey element. And I really loved that aspect and that, like, you know, you figure out the next step of your quest. Um, and so I really liked that part. Um, 
another aspect of world building that I really loved um, was um, this is going to sound okay. So there's a kid in Ian's science class and he really wants to be friends with this like group of kids mm-hmm. in their science class. And one of them has crutches in the film. Yeah. And I got so excited about that. And then I got really sad that I got excited because that means that like people with disabilities are so underrepresented in film that when I see one, <laughs> right. I'm excited because yeah. they're represented. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, well, that's sad. But I'm also like, I was also really happy to see that, like, um, you know, that that was included, that that was part of the film and part of the world. And like, it didn't need to be commented upon. Um, right. And I feel the same way about Lena Waithe's character. You know, a lot has been said about Disney and them trying to appeal to the gays. Um, and they're very bad at it. And they come across as, you know, homophobic at worst. And just kind of like Lazy. nervous and scared at best mm-hmm. um, right. to like, they, you know, they want, they want their cake and that you want to eat it too. Like they want to say like, Oh, we get our representation, but we don't want to piss off middle America. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually felt this was a step forward tiny as it was only because every other character that like they referred to as being queer in some way has never been explicit. And right. at least in this one, while not important, like at least Lena Waithe's character said my girlfriend, mm-hmm. like, I know it's really small. I know I'm grasping at straws here, but like as a queer person and a diehard fan of Disney, like this is something that really frustrates me and really hits close to home. And this is not nearly enough. Um, And I'm not saying this is like a huge victory, but it sometimes those little things, like you don't realize how much they're going to mean to someone hearing someone say in a kid film in a Pixar film you know, that is owned by Disney, say, my girlfriend, when she is clearly, you know, her, when she, her, her gender identity is clearly female, and she says, my girlfriend, like, that means something. And mm-hmm. it is hardly enough, and there's so much work to be done, but the explicit nature of that sentence, like, it meant something to me. Yeah. For I rem- sure. I remain it's, it's a little... So, I... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no. I was just going to say that I feel like what what ends up happening is, you know, it is reported that there's a an LGBTQ character in a Disney movie and it gets I wouldn't I don't want to say overblown. That's not the word, but it gets reported on and, you know, it's you know, it makes headlines and then it turns into either like a one line character or, you know, a moment like the Beauty and the Beast exclusively, quote unquote, gay Uh, moment, which and like. It doesn't help that the filmmakers are sort of touting it as their. This is like we've we have representation in the film. Like what 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 would work? I mean, obviously having I know, fucking Endgame. Like, like, <laughs> like like having main characters that are LGBT are is definitely like the right way to go. But I think what doesn't help is them being like touting their one line character as their representation, and then having those the the people who are seeing this movie be disappointed that it's only a one line character. Whereas if you sort of just like, I don't want to say slip it in or like have it, but if you have it explicit and you have it in the movie, but you don't call attention to it, like this is mm-hmm. a, a fine line to draw. But like, if you have it just be a character, like you were talking about the character with the crutches and you not have it be like this huge, like, Hollywood Reporter article, like, we have a character with crutches in the movie. Like, if you don't, <laughs> right, have, right, you don't right, have right. that, you sort of still get the, you get the feeling of, of feeling represented, but also knowing that it's not enough. And that, and 
that they do do need to do better, but they're not calling attention to it, which makes it all like a much more of a blunder when they don't have a bigger character. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? I remember. Yeah, yeah I'm exactly. Sort of about I'm trying to like put into words and not yeah, no, say no, anything. No, I'm no, not. You're totally right. Yeah, I remain mixed on it for exactly the reasons that you said, Willoughby, where it's kind of it mostly has to do with just like the media attention around it and the fact so, that like Disney is kind of using it as an as, uh, as a way to sort of pat their back about how the steps that forward they made on yeah. diversity and i i do think that like the only way that we'll see some sort of big progress is to have an actual lead character be lgbtq in some Agreed. way i explicitly. was say i won't i won't consider it they're a real victory until like i get a queer princess yeah or like a queer sure. prince like i will not have i will not declare victory until then but as desperate as i am I hate myself for it, but I will take crumbs. <laughs> but I think, I mean, I, I think it was, you know, it's obviously just the one line. It's just the one character. It's a one character scene. Yeah. But I think that you, like you were saying, like the, the fact that she explicitly said my girlfriend, instead of vaguely hinting at some, you know, something or having two male characters look at each other in a dance sequence and be like, oh, what's this? Like yeah. w- with LeFou and whatnot. Like, I think that that, the, the explicit nature of it is a, is a step forward yeah i will say that like if it's something like a line of dialogue or a scene that can't be easily cut out of a movie and you won't notice anything for like you know the chinese box office or chinese market then that's when i will consider it you know something that is a little bit of progress and it is some it is a line that is said uh in an essential piece of dialogue in which she talks about like the uh, uh cops like um relationship with his would-be stepson so it it is kind of like important to the scene but I do like you know I kind of look at it with a grain of salt so we'll see but um I am a little bit on the more mixed side of as as of it but I am happy that it was something that like really uh spoke to you Anya yeah Mm -hmm. okay um do you guys have anything else you want to add about Onward before we go on to rate uh, our the film um, I think Tom Holland's great. Uh, and mm-hmm. we didn't really talk about him too much, but I think that he does a really good job of, you know, voicing a teenager. I think he's going to be a, a teenager actor for until he's like 40. He's got that sort of Michael J. Fox situation going on. Um, but I think that he, he does a really good job of sort of, you know, leading this, he, he he's the lead of the movie. And I think that, uh, uh it isn't, it, it should not go again. It should not go without saying that he did a really good job. Um, and also, I want to highlight a specific scene from the movie uh, that was definitely talked about in the reviews as calling this movie like it. It's a. It's there's Indiana Jones uh, um, scene or something like that. There, there's a scene where they have like a leap of faith. Um, uh, yeah. He has to cro- he has to cross the bridge, and obviously it is the. Ex- exact same scene sort of happens in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which is also about rediscovering a relationship with your father. Um, and, sure. and like, that's great and all, but like, I think the move the, the scene also works on its own because it's also different than that, la- that last crusade scene, because you do have Barley there holding the rope, the, you know, making sure that Ian can make it across. And then when Ian is so confident in himself that he can make it across the rope ends up, uh, dislodging and his he's no longer attached to it and Barley doesn't say anything and 
because he realizes that Ian can make it across and he has faith in Ian that he can make it across and Ian has faith that he can make it he himself can make it across and I think that that scene sort of speaks for itself in the entirety of the movie of like these are the, this is like the brothers are coming together they are um rediscovering their past and that they you know very much love each other and believe in each other and I think that that movie that scene works on its own as well as being a reference to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah. I agree. For sure. Um, so, with that, why don't Real quick, I just wanted to give a quick shout out. Uh, I thought the Manticore was a lot of fun. I thought Octavia oh, Spencer yeah. oh, had a lot yeah. of fun so with the good. role. It was also nice to see Octavia Spencer do a movie that wasn't like, that wasn't some movie about like the relationship between black and white people and making white people feel better about each other. I'm like, Octavia, what are you producing these Anya, days? Like, have you not seen Ma? Oh, I've seen Ma. <laughs> oh, I have. Um, Don't make me drink like, alone. <laughs> Don't make me drink alone. Don't make me drink alone. Oh, Ma is an iconic film. Honestly, it truly is. Um, but I thought she was really fun as the Manticore. And I also, um, I'm again, I'm reading way too much into this, but like I liked the arc of the Manticore in getting back to her own roots, mm-hmm. which was like sort of a magical thing. But like, I also liked it as an idea of a woman realizing that like she doesn't need to please everyone and that she doesn't need to be like prim and proper and that she can be this like beast of a person mm-hmm. and still be awesome and great and contribute. And again, I'm reading way too much into it, but no, I think it's, I think your read is accurate. Yeah. I thought there was something really refreshing about like her, like shedding off this like societal expectation of what she should be. Yeah. I actually, I really like the Manticore too. And I, I love Octavia Spencer's performance. It was just so um, full of zeal and bombast. And I, I also just like that, you never you see kind of her past and how she was this great warrior and it's basically implied that she's what like thousands of years old because by then magic had been deemed almost like a myth by then and she obviously Mm. was operating during the time when magic was still very common so it's just like it was just really interesting to me that her character has so much potential for telling like this whole backstory but you know they don't the movie doesn't do that you don't need to and i just like the idea of like having that all that imagination uh, open to the imagination so i just like i like the musical for that as well it's like wow she's yeah. got so much history she's like basically immortal that's so cool yeah that's awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. she's yeah, got a, a, a cool shadow. sword yeah i just like i love a big sword i don't know why for some reason it's big like my it's my catnip when it comes to movies i'm like oh yeah big swords that's me <laughs> i'm just like listen elrond like delivering the sword to aragorn yeah or if you read like the tamara pierce novels when all the lady knights get their sword it's like swords are important i'm honestly just like i'm just thinking about bleach right now <laughs> the anime oh, i love a big sword his sword is giant final fantasy has yeah. the buster sword it's absurdly large and it hasn't there's no need for it to be that large and i love it <laughs> i'm sorry that is how i feel about cloud sword yes. in final fantasy oh i love his giant sword like, wow awesome and i love especially when women wield them yeah um yeah and i especially love like the whole arc too of uh ian and uh barley's mom and her like you know going to on a girl's night with her big axe at the end of the movie to uh with the man i love that that scene was so good that little moment was so so funny and her i had 
little thought in my head that I was like, oh my god, what if Ian and Barley's mom realizes she's too good for this, like, stupid cop and she meets <laughs> him at the end of the film? I was like, that's too mature for a Pixar film, but I really want it to happen because that, were cop almost there. An- that cop annoyed the hell out of me. And I was like, she is too good for you, sir, and you are annoying and I don't like you. Yeah. And then she stayed with him and I was like, fine, I guess it's a Pixar family film. I guess we can't get into those, but I wanted her to I leave I didn't like how the cop's arc was just basically like, oh, he was the no-nonsense cop who stuck with the stickler by the rules and suddenly at the end of the film he's letting his hair loose and galloping around. I'm like, that arc was nonsensical. Like, that was also, a big leap. he was mean to Barley and I didn't like yeah, it. And I was like, don't, don't, don't be mean to my son. Yeah. So, I think, <laughs> I think Centaur Man can go away and I think that their mom should leave him and that is happening in the onward sequel in my head and my heart yeah yeah all right um let's uh, no man let's give a rating to onward from each of you guys so uh, willoughby what do you give onward out of five stars uh five five stars out of five okay anya you know the more i talked about this film the more i loved it so much i'm gonna go four and a half Ooh, uh, uh. You can be mean. You can be mean. I was gonna give it a four, but just talking about it makes me realize how much I really actually loved it. So I'm, I'm being generous, definitely. I am. I'm gonna give it. I'm sorry. Don't be mad at me, guys. I'm gonna give it a three point five. Still respectable. Okay. 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 All right. The Millennial Vulcan gives onward a four point three out of five stars. It's a good score. Pretty good score. All right, with that, let's move on to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. Willoughby, why don't you start us off this week? What do you really like this week? Um, so we've talked about Bon Appetit Test Kitchen videos before, but I want to I want to point out, I want to go back to it. Um, this week they released their first, like, test kitchen at home video in which a bunch of them were on zoom calls and talking about how like even though they're quarantined and they're at home um and they're not actually in the test kitchen that they're still going to make videos and content for people to enjoy during the quarantine um and since then they've released like how, how like uh, a, a video in which they all the different uh chefs uh uh create uh their ver- their favorite version of a coffee drink um and they like go through the how they make it and like how they love it and so I really just wanted to like point out that like I and this is sort of like a broader topic, but like the content creators that we follow who, you know, that are still uh, fortunate enough to create content still are putting out content for people in quarantine um, and, and, you know, to like, you know, sort of like escape from the reality for a little bit um, while still recognizing the the um importance of self of social distancing and staying at home and uh the coronavirus itself so like i really appreciate like i got emotional at the end when they were talking about how like we're gonna we're gonna keep making videos we're gonna keep doing this we're gonna stay safe and i was like i was like really like taken aback by like the the dedication that they have to the the youtube test kitchen channel as well as like making content for the millions of people that listen to that watch the videos like this is not like a niche uh um uh channel like a lot of people are really into these into the the these videos so i'm really glad that like they're sort of recognizing that obviously 
they can't be in the test kitchen, but they're going to do their best to recreate all that they can do in their own homes. And it was like a really like humanizing moment for these, like, obviously they're like media personalities by at this point, but also like they're human and they have to like deal with the same shit that we're dealing with. So I really, I really found that mo- that video like touching and uh, really, really good. All right. I saw some of that video and I was like, oh, maybe I should start liking coffee now. <laughs> no, it was fun. Yeah, I, I really like the stay-at-home stuff, uh, content that's been coming out of uh, a lot of just internet online shows, but also some yeah. uh, the late-night shows are doing... Late-night stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm actually really enjoying the late-night um, shows at home editions. They're like, they're all turning into YouTube vloggers, which I think is hilarious. So... <laughs> But and then also you can get guests that normally wouldn't be on the mm. show because you can just zoom or Skype them in. So it's like a really fun like you know because like a lot of times guests are only on the show because they're on they're in Los Angeles or in they're in New York City at that time because they're also promoting a movie. But movies are canceled, so like they're they could just be on the show. So mm-hmm. and it's it, that's also really fun. Yeah, it's awesome. it's awesome. All right, Anya, what is your really like this week? So my really like is another movie because what else am I doing in quarantine? But shockingly enough, it's not an A24 movie, although the marathon is still going well. And now we've added uh, A24 bingo to every movie we watch. So is this it the bingo that the A24 is, Twitter? Yeah. Created? Yes. So we're doing that for every movie now um, on our Instagram stories. So check it out. Um, but it's going really well. And I want A24 to notice us. So I'm going to keep pestering them. But the movie that I really... Their Insta stories? I tag them in some of them, not everyone, because I don't want to be like that person, but I'm trying to tag them occasionally and be like, hey, hey, look over here. Um, I'm like, what else are you doing, person who runs the A24 social media accounts? <laughs> um, but anyway, the movie that I really like this week is uh, called Miss Fisher and the Crypt of Tears. So this is based on the Australian mystery series Miss Fisher. Uh which is uh, about Phryne Fisher solving mysteries in Australia. And it's set in the 1920s, I believe. Um, and I really fell in love with the series around the same time the internet did a couple years ago um, and watched all of it and was just so happy. And it ended, the series ended on like this hopeful, but like sort of cliffhanger ending. And then there was talk of a movie and then the movie never happened. And then it got crowdfunded. And then the movie finally hit just this past week. Um, And I watched it on Amazon with a friend of mine. We Skyped into each other and watched it together. And it was so fun. It was basically a murder mystery um, that was like Indiana Jones meets The Mummy. And it was so fun. Actually, I would say it's more like The Mummy because it had a better romance. Like the romance was definitely more like a Rick and Evie romance and it was great um and the couple from the series finally got together and it was super tropey like there's a part where miss fisher is in like quicksand and her love interest who we've all loved since episode one is like they have like this bickering relationship it's so cute and he's like i'm not gonna let you die this way after all you put me through and he like rips off his shirt to like help her get out of the quicksand and it's so tropey and so beautiful Oh, and it made me so happy. And I was just like, I, for an hour and a half, I was like, yes, let me just live in this like fanfic of a movie. And it was wonderful. And I was so excited for the universe to uh, keep going for a little bit longer. Um, and so, yeah, so I really loved Miss Fisher and the Crypt of Tears. And I just love that whole series and the whole universe. And it's really fun. Wow. I don't think I've ever heard of this series before. 
you I think would love it because like the main the main two characters uh Franny and Jack are like oh their chemistry is like off the charts and it's very tropey and like very and the murders are fun but like mostly it's the cast of characters that you fall in love with um and out of context that sentence doesn't out of context that sentence is something else the murders are fun murders are fun i sound like shane which is accurate since i am a shaniac so bugara forever nah (laughs) um but yes so that's what i'm really liking what about you ht all right well this weekend i'm also i've also been watching a lot of movies lately and i watched a movie that i had been meaning to get to for a long time and i finally saw and that is moonstruck the Cher Nicholas oh, so Cage, good. very, very Italian romance. And, uh, you know, the moon hit my eye like a big pizza pie. And, you know, that was amore. Yeah, it was just struck right through the heart like lightning. It's great. It's so Italian. Nicholas so Cage great. is so hot. Like, maybe my really like so moon, maybe my really like this week isn't moon, Moonstruck. It's how hot Nicholas Cage is in Moonstruck. Like, oh my God. Oh, girl, I feel, did I tell you that I had, like, a Nicholas phase, a Nicholas Cage phase in high school? You did where, not like, tell me. For, like, about a month, I became obsessed with him, and, like, Moonstruck was definitely part of that, but, like, I got all these DVDs of movies that he was in, like, Face Off and, like, City of Angels and stuff. And, of like, course, of course. Moonstruck, and I was just like, yeah, Nicholas Cage. And I was like, what is wrong with me? But, like, for, like, a month, I was like, I love Nicholas Cage. <laughs> He's so great in um in Moonstruck. Everything he does is with so much emphasis. He's like this big brooding brutish character, and yet he listens to opera. And uh, he's he's oh has like this weird straightforward charm to him, where he's like, "You look beautiful. Love your hair." And I'm like, "Oh my god, I love him!" And he just speaks like it's. Rebecca, my roommate, and I were talking about this. It is kind of it's such a heightened movie. It's almost Shakespearean in the way that everything just comes together and all the characters move around each other and how they all speak either in riddles or in poems. And I loved it. Well, that sounds awful. It's great. It's great. It's great. I need people to speak their what they're meaning to say. No, but they but they me. do. Only Nicolas Cage does, though. Oh, no, he talks a lot about how he's a wolf and stuff. They all, they have, like, this whole wolf thing. You're like, okay. It's, I get it. It's it's so fun. It's, it's just, like, 80% aggressive Italian gesturing. And yeah, you know, 20% Nicolas Cage being hot. I mean, actually, maybe like more like 120% Nicolas Cage being hot. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. it's great. Cher is also well, fantastic in it. Yeah, Nicolas Cage and Moonstruck is like, oh, he's so dreamy. He's so hot. He's like, uh, his sex appeal is like off the charts. It's you know, insane. I never really understood the whole Adam Driver thing. Uh, and after <laughs> watching Moonstruck, well, like, I, I, I think Adam Driver is a really talented actor. I like him as an actor, but I'm not like super horny for him like everyone else is. But after watching Nicolas Cage and Moonstruck, I'm like, oh, I get it. He has yes. that same energy yes. as, as Adam Driver does. Yes! <laughs> Ugh, Driver. Ooh. Ooh. He, has, he has some A24 movies, so it's going to be on my marathons. Oh. And I'm very excited because I love me to watch some little baby Adam. Yeah. Anyways, Moonstruck, Nicolas Cage and Moonstruck, great movie. Perfect movie, really. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, on that happy, happy note, um, that is the end of our episode. If you guys have any thoughts on Onward or anything else you're watching while in quarantine, whether it's Bon Appetit home videos or movies like Miss Fisher or older movies like Moonstruck, or if you just want to come talk to HT about Nicolas Cage, please come do that. Uh, and where can they come chat with us, Willoughby? 
You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're also on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. And you can rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And where can they find you guys on the internet? You can find me at htranbui on Twitter. You can find me at Anya Crittenton on Twitter. And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye.